A very good evening to you, and thank you for tuning in to Calvary Baptist Church broadcast. I am Pastor Joseph Ajayman, so I'm so glad that I am in your homes, your cars, and I'm sharing God's word with you this evening. Tonight, I want to read uh, from the passage of scripture in 1st Kings chapter 14 verse 1 to 11. Before I read the passage, I just want to give you a summary of the previous chapter, which is 1st Kings chapter 13. It talks about a king of Judah called Jeroboam. Jeroboam did not follow the footsteps of his father David. Jeroboam had went after pagan gods and at a point in his life he went to the temple of God and he offered incense that is supposed to be offered to pagan gods on the altar of God. And while he was at it, the Bible says that his hand shriveled and the altar split into two. And then the prophet of God went in and issued a judgment on him. He pleaded with the prophet Jeroboam, Jeroboam pleaded with the prophet Ahijah and said pray for the Father, your Lord, the Lord your God, to heal me of this shovel hand. Jeremiah, Je- um, uh, Ahijah, the prophet Ahijah, prayed for him, and his hands was restored. That was supposed to be um, a second chance for him. That God is saying, now I will spare you, but I expect you to have a change of heart. But he didn't. And therefore, um, he continued following pagan gods. You know, his foolishness, his foolhardiness, continue in serving pagan gods. So let's look at the passage that I'm going to focus on this evening as I share God's word with you about, on the theme, the foolhardiness of King Jeroboam. Now I'm reading from First Kings chapter 14, verse 1 to 11. Let's listen very carefully. At that time, Jeroboam's son, Abijah, became very sick. So Jeroboam told his wife, disguise yourself so that no one will recognize you as my wife. Then go to the prophet Ahijah at Shiloh, the man who told me I will become king. Take him a gift of ten loaves of bread, some cakes, a jar of honey, and ask him what will happen to the boy. So Jeroboam's wife went to Ahijah's home at Shiloh. He was an old man who, who now could not no longer see. But the Lord had told Ahijah, the worm's wife will come here pretending to be someone else. She will ask you about her son, for he's very sick. Give her the answer I give you. So when Ahijah heard her, f- her f- footsteps at the door, he called out, Come in, wife of Jeroboam. Why are you pretending to be someone else? Then he told her, I have bad news for you. Give your husband Jeroboam this message from the Lord, the God of Israel. I promoted you from the ranks of the common people and made you ruler over my people Israel. I ripped the kingdom away from the family of David and gave it to you. But you have not been like my servant David who obeyed my commands and followed me with all his heart, and always did whatever I wanted. You have done more evil than all who live before you. You have made other gods for yourself, and have made me furious 
with your gold calves. And since you have turned your back on me, I will bring disaster on your dynasty. And I will destroy every one of your male descendants, slave and free alike, anywhere in Israel. I will burn up your royal dynasty as one burns up trash until it is all gone. The members of Jeroboam's family who die in the city will be eaten by dogs. And those who die in the field will be eaten by vultures. I, the Lord, have spoken. Amen. It's very harsh judgment. But it talks about a king whom the Lord installed. And a king who turned his back on the Lord. And the Lord is now pronouncing judgment on Jeroboam. So Jeroboam is seeking God only when he wants something. If you heard of the story I gave in chapter 13, he's just messing up seven foreign pagan gods. And God brought judgment on him and God spared his life. But he continued still serving the pagan gods. Now that his son was at the verge of dying, he went to God and seeking God. It first happened when his hand was shriveled, he prayed for mercy through the prophet Ahijah, and his hands was restored. Now he is in the pit again. His son is seriously sick, and he wanted to know from the God of Israel what will happen to his son. So Jeroboam has a food hardiness, a heart that is full of foolishness, and he will never learn from his mistake, and when second chance is given to him, he will never take the second chance. So he, Jeroboam sees God only when he wants something. Only on his own terms. Only to fix his problems. And only for himself. We are to seek God for who he is. We worship him and obey him because he's the Lord of hosts and the Lord of our lives. Okay? Like I said earlier on, in First King 13, God interrupted King, the king's pagan worship proceedings when he sent a man of God to describe his judgment or declare his judgment upon him. But what happened? He gave King Jeroboam a chance to repent. But chapter 13 verse 33 says that even after this, the king did not change his evil ways. Sadly, the king made no effort in knowing God or understanding God and his will and his ways. God authenticates his word at times by miracles, miraculous signs. The altar splitting apart in chapter 13 as I explained earlier on. And the king's hand shriveled up and subsequently healed was God's way of authenticating his word. God authenticates his word through miracles and signs. When we preach the gospel, God can back it with healing and signs and deliverance and bring salvation and restoration. So God's word must be authenticated with his miracle. And this is what happened in um, uh, Jer Jeroboam's life. Okay? Uh, if Jeroboam had taken the opportunity to ponder and reflect, he could have been awakened by what God has been saying and doing in his life. But he was too blinded by his sin to see the obvious that God's judgment is coming. Even with the miraculous signs and the healing of his hand, Jeroboam still did not seek the face of God. I'm talking about the king Jeroboam's foolhardiness, the foolishness that fills his heart and the consequences that came after that. Now, but he was too blinded by the saints that he was involving to see the judgment of God coming upon his life. We continue to see his foolishness in uh, chapter 14, 1 Kings chapter 14, as I read for you, verse 1 to 11. 
You know, he sees God only when he wants something. Jeremiah saw the face of God only when he wants something. Now we see Jeroboam seeking to know the truth about his son through the prophet. His son was sick, seriously sick. It seems it worries him because probably the son was the heir to the throne. He needed some answer, some assurance. So he thought of a prophet, the prophet Ahijah, the one who told him he will be king. He has the word of God. We can find out from him the answer to my son's illness. So Jeremiah sees God only on his own terms. He will go to God only on his own terms. And some of us Christians and people out there hearing me, we only go to God when we need something. We turn God to be Father Christmas, that we want to look at his hands, what is in his hands to give to us, but we don't look at his face. We go to God on our terms. We go to him when we need something. We don't need him. We are not seeking a relationship. Jeroboam was not seeking a relationship with the God of Israel. Even though God gave him a second chance, he didn't care about that. He continued in his wickedness, foolhardiness, the foolishness in his heart. He continued in that. He was blinded by sin. And therefore, he couldn't seek the face of God. He always see God in his own terms. Um, he says, but I cannot be the one going. I will be rejected. Okay? Because if I go, the prophet knows me. So therefore, he told his wife to disguise herself and go and um, talk to Ahijah about the fate of his son who was seriously ill. He said, uh, the prophet Ahijah would be unhappy with me and might reprimand me and not give me a good answer. So he sent his wife to go and ask about the faith. So Jeroboam sent his wife instead and tells her to disguise herself. Not recognizing her to be Jeroboam's wife is an advantage. The prophet might just give her a good word about their son. And he asked the wife to take some gifts hoping to buy some favor. This is the foolishness of a man's heart. On the one hand, he believes Ahijah is a true prophet who has the truth, and yet at the same time thinking that he can deceive him. The irony is that Ahijah is already blind at this time because of his age. It does not matter whether the wife disguised herself or not, he could not see. When the prophet heard a footsteps at the door, he said, Come in, wife of Jeroboam, why this pretense? He did not need to hear her voice. He did not, he did not speak. In fact, he, she did not speak in this whole encounter. The prophet sees because he hears from God. He could be blind, but he sees because he has a revelation of God. All our effort to try and hide who we are before God is futile. We may pull the same chant with God sometimes, thinking that we can hide from him. We know in theory that we cannot, but in reality, we sometimes behave as if God does not know anything about us. He's an all-knowing God. He knows everything. We are constantly on his radar. He knows everything when we're even behind a locked door in our heart, in our thought. God knows everything. So we don't need to fool ourselves like Jeroboam did. Okay? But we look at verse 5. God reveals everything. The who, the what, the why, and the how. Everything God reveals it. Hallelujah through his prophet Ahijah. God reveals who is coming, what she wants, why she is asking, how she will behave, and what his answer to her will be. Everything God gave it to the wife of Jeroboam. Hallelujah. We don't have to hide from God. We don't have to cover up. Even if man is blind and cannot see a thing, 
God can and he knows. Why is Jeroboam seeking the prophet now? The reason is given. His child is sick. The king sees God when he's in trouble. Nothing wrong with that in itself. We have to go to God when we're in trouble. But we must go with a good heart. We must go to seek a, re a relationship with him. We must not turn him into be a Father Christmas who just gives us goodies. We don't want to have any relationship with him. The Lord is gracious and compassionate. He is our help in times of trouble. God will come through for us when we seek him sincerely. When we seek him with all our heart, God is able to do that. But Jeroboam seek God only in his troubles. We have only two accounts of Jeroboam seeking God. One when his hands shrivel up and cannot be pulled back in chapter 13 verse 14. And the other is now when his son is sick. Both are all self-serving. He just wants to serve himself. He just wants to go to God and ask for what he wants. But never seeking God's plan for his life, God's will for him. And anything that God is um, doing in his or her life. So he spent the word of God. He chose to reject the word of God. God says you have provoked me to anger and, and, and trust me behind your back. He, he, he cast God behind his back. That is how the Lord puts it. Since meeting the prophet in chapter 11, Jeroboam has been behaving in this manner all the time. He did not take God's word to heart. And the two times he turned to God were selfish reasons. Seeking God to do something for him. Period. He doesn't care for a relationship with God. The foolhardiness, the foolishness of Jeroboam's heart. At times we believers also go through that. That foolishness. Okay, we think that we can use God and can take him to be something that will be serving us. God created us for a relationship. And therefore we must go to him seeking a relationship, looking for his will and plan for our life and walking in his ways. And therefore the Bible says that when we ask anything in his son Jesus Christ's name, it will be accomplished. Why? Because we'll be walking in his will, in his plan and purpose for our lives. Hallelujah. So tonight, I'm just sharing to you that we should not be self-seeking. We should not be selfish. We should not just go to God only when we want Him. God wants a relationship with us. So, um, God is more than, than our insurance policy at times. We say, there's a sure policy. When I'm in trouble, I run to God. But God is more than that. Yes, He's, 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 he's able to take care of us. He's able to take care of us when we commit everything to his hands, we'll see, we'll see his hands in everything that God gives us. So therefore, we need to know God, serve him, and live our life for him. He's more than what? Insurance policy. When things go wrong, or our divine paramedic comes, he's a sovereign Lord who governs our life. We seek him for who he is, and not just for what we want from him. We honor him for who he is and not for what we can get out of him. Hallelujah. See God because he is a good God. He's gracious and compassionate. He's willing. He loves you. He cares about you. And he's able to protect you. When we put everything into his hands, we will see his hand in everything. Hallelujah. We seek him for who he is and not just for what we want. We should honor him for who he is. And not for what we can get out of him. Jesus put it this way. He turned to the crowd following him. And said you seek me only because. You ate the loaves. And had your fill. John 6.26 It is 
like seeing God as a waiter in the restaurant. Some, some of us who eat in the restaurant, the, the restaurant is there to, the waiter is there to serve us what we need. We point to the menu and say, this is what I want. And wait to be served. We complain when the food is taking too long to come or it's not what we ordered. When we don't order that they give us a, a wrong order, we complain. Some of us, we turn God to that. We, we go to him when we need him. Serve me, give me, give me, give me, give me. Do this for me, do this for me. And when God does not bring it the same way you want, you complain. God has been turned to a waiter in a restaurant. Hallelujah. We don't, we don't need to do that. God is a creator and he's seeking a relationship with you and I. And therefore we should go to him for who he is. God is a good God. And he created us to serve him and have a relationship with him. And therefore we should not turn God to be a waiter. Hallelujah. No one goes into a restaurant to know the waiter. We don't even know his name except some of them put a, a, their name on their chest. But we don't even care time to read it. We don't want to know their name. All we want is that I want you to serve me. And we complain when they don't serve us very well. We don't even give them tips when they don't serve us very well. We are not bothered about them. We don't care about them. And some of us, unfortunately, has turned God to be like that. We go to him when we are only self-serving. We want to serve ourselves. That's what Jeroboam was doing. Okay? To put it bluntly, Jeroboam is using God. He's using God to meet his needs. He sought God for what he can do for him and not for who he is. It is not about the relationship. God has a message for Jeroboam. Listen to what the Lord says in 1 Kings 14, verse 7 to 10. Let's listen to it again. It's very, very important. Ahijah, the prophet, told the wife of Jeroboam, said, Go, tell Jeroboam that this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I raised you up from among the people and made you a leader over my people Israel. I tore the kingdom away from the house of David and gave it to you. But you have not been like my servant David, who kept my commands and followed me with all his heart, doing only what was right in my eyes. You have done more evil than all who live before you. You have made for yourself other gods, idols made of metal. You have provoked me to anger and thrust me behind your back. Because of this, the Lord recounted what he has done. That is, I, 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 I raised you up. I made you leader. I gave you David's kingdom. But you, you, you did not follow me like David. You have done more evil. You made other gods. You provoked me to anger. You thrust me behind your back. Jeroboam offense is a sin against God's grace. Because God had been good to him. He did not respond in kind. God treated him well. But he spurned God. God has been gracious to him. But he despised God. He literally threw God's goodness away. He threw God's word to the winds. Because of this, the prophet told Jeroboam's wife to tell her husband, I'm going to bring disaster on the house of Jeroboam. I will cut off that's verse 10 to 11. I'll cut off from Jeroboam every last male in Israel, slave or free. I'll burn up the house of Jeroboam as one burns down until it is all gone. Dogs will eat those belonging to Jeroboam who die in the city. And the bears of the earth will feed on those who die in the country. The Lord has spoken. 
His rejection of God's grace and God's goodness resulted in the downfall of his kingdom. He brought this upon himself by his own doing. Again, let's complete the story. At least to know what happened to his son. His son will die. His dynasty will be overthrown. Israel will be exiled from the land of the land eventually. His son's death is immediate. The moment Jeroboam's wife stepped over the threshold of the house, the child will die. His dynasty will be overthrown in the next, when we can read about in the next uh, chapters, which will be in chapter 15 of 1 Kings. And Israel will be eventually removed from the land. That happens in 2 Kings 17, verse 21 to 23, some 200 years later by the Assyrians. Israel could get out of the adultery that the Rebbeam introduced here, but he must, he must leave the palace. His dynasty, his family will be wiped out. The poison that he brought into, into could not be eradicated for good, and Israel will suffer. At times, some decisions that we make have consequences even for the people, our loved ones. And therefore, we must seek to serve God and not use God to serve ourselves. Be self-serving. God, give me, give me, give me. It seems like today the average Christian will only go to God to pray for something. How about going to God to pray the Lord, make me holy. Make me faithful. Make me, make me a warrior. Make me an evangelist. Make me to serve you. Help me to serve you. Make me an intercessor. Help me to do your work. Help me to be a kingdom person. Help me to live my life for you. All we need is this material thing that we always go to God. But everything we ask in this material world has an expiry date. It will go away. Therefore, we need to be diligent in serving God. You asking God for a husband, your husband will die one day. You asking God for a child, your child will die one day. You asking God for a job, your job will expire one day. You asking God for health, your life will end one day. You asking God for money, your money will finish one day. Everything that you get in this material world has an expiry date. We need them. I'm not saying that we don't need any material things. That is not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that we need to look for things that have intrinsic value. Things that have value in the kingdom of God. Things that we do here that will be recorded and credited into our account in heaven. We don't go to God self-serving ourselves. We should look into his world and honor him and glorify him. Beloved, the Lord God loves you. He's so gracious. But Jeroboam was self-serving. Anytime he goes to God, full-hearted, his heart was filled with foolishness, hardness of his heart. He couldn't serve God, even though God gave him a second chance. Is God giving you a second chance tonight? As you are hearing me tonight, don't let it pass you. Seize the opportunity. Repent and go to God. Let God change you your life and give you a fresh slate in your life. God is able to do that. When God gives you the second chance, take it and serve him and love him and honor him. Hallelujah. The Bible says he's only one belonging to Jeroboam who will be buried because he is the only one in the house of Jeroboam whom the Lord, the God of Israel have found anything good. Amen. So the death of his son turned out to be merciful because he had a proper burial. The son that died will have a proper burial. But aside from that, all the family of Jeroboam will die on the street. 
Dogs will lick their blood. Vultures will eat their body. That was a punishment that came to a king whose heart was filled with foolishness. Beloved, we serve a merciful and compassionate and gracious God. But he's also a God of wrath and anger. When his anger burns, none of us can stand in his anger. It is a fearful thing to fall under the hand of the living God. When God began to deal with you, you cannot stand. So tonight, if anything you are going through displeases God, I came here to encourage you to repent. Repent as God has given you a second chance by hearing this message. Repent and then don't harden your heart when the time has come to you. So here is the message from the Lord. The Bible says that the wages of sin is dead, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We do not know what that good is, but God gave us opportunity. God gave us opportunity day and day to know him. Hallelujah. Israel's only hope is the Messiah. They must look forward to the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the Messiah and their Lord. We've seen all that Jeroboam has done wrong. Let me put it in the right word. We see God for who he is. He is our Lord and we must obey him. Hallelujah. The Lord says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. We shall be filled fully satisfied when we seek him and not go to himself seeking for ourselves. This is the only way to a good life. There is no other way. Let's pledge our allegiance to God and serve him with all our heart. Beloved, the Lord bless you and keep you. Let me just pray with you. Uh, you are our God. Let's pray together. You are our God. We bow in worship of you. You are God. There is no one else. We seek you and we obey you. The day will come when every eye will see you, Lord. When every heart and every voice will say that you are perfect in your wisdom and your justice. Keep us faithful to you and to your word, Lord. We thank you. We bless you tonight. Beloved, I am Pastor Joseph J. Mensah. Thank you for making a date with me. I pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you and lift his countenance upon you. The Lord will help you to take tonight's message, reflect on it, and go before the Lord. If there's anything you need to repent of, repent. Because when God's judgment comes, it is very, very disastrous. None of us can stand under the hand of the living God. The Lord bless you. I'm Pastor Joseph J. Mensah. Make a date with me. Same time next week. And stay blessed.